0: So this morning's reflection on death, (laughs) contemplation of death, probably not something you hear about that often, unless you work in a hospital or mortuary or something like that. But it's a very important and uh, in a way precious reflection. And the Buddha often, in a... Speaks about this, uh, refers to this in the, in this in, in the suttas, in the teachings, and uh, he will s- he will say, you know, haven't you noticed? You know, haven't haven't you noticed that death is inevitable? That we can't take with us the the treasures, you know, the things that we have, or the even the the know the health or the physical strength or the status or the wealth that we have we can't take any of that with us so and and you know death will come so do good he always says this so so use your life to do good generate merit be generous and it's, it's almost as though he's saying, you know, there's, there's really nothing more important. Well, the only thing really more important than to, to generate merit is to, is to fully liberate the heart. And uh, until we're very close to that, the generation of merit or punya is, is really important support. So this comes through keeping the the five precepts, for example. So in in keeping the precepts, we become a source of safety to ourselves and to all beings. And through generosity, so restraint, generosity, and finding opportunities to to do good in the world. And sometimes, you know, we... we, uh, come from backgrounds where it isn't the norm to to live like that. And so we we come to the Dharma because of uh, having gone down the wrong road a number of times and found ourselves in trouble or miserable or confused. And so we seek another way and we're shown another way, but it's still hard to change direction. So it's very important in a time like this where we have this supportive environment and you know, nothing too challenging, apart from maybe early mornings, a little bit of sleep deprivation, maybe feeling a little hungry in the evenings. But other than that, nothing really big on, the, on, the, on an external level. So it's very important that in a time like this to generate, to like actively put effort into generating the wholesome qualities of heart. So we touched a little bit into uh, the, the practice of loving-kindness and the Buddha, in the, in the early teachings, you know, he finds teachings on loving-kindness or metta, loving-friendliness, on their own. So you know, the metta Sutra that we chant is, is a, a teaching just on that quality on its own. And then later on, he kind of pf- puts together these four qualities which, are, which come up again and again through the, through the scriptures, through the teachings. So the quality of loving kindness, the quality of compassion, the quality of, uh, uh, the Pali is mudita, we don't have a, really have an English word for it, which I always find interesting. Um, It's something like altruistic joy, uh, appreciation of the good fortune of others, and uh, equanimity, and evenness. So these are, these are four, you could say, four qualities of love. Four heart qualities. And uh, metta is like, it's like sharing the love in a very equal way with all beings. Sharing that sense of friendliness. It's not, it's, 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 um, you know there's a sense of metta here when there's metta in that one's own heart one can just share that with others and it's uh, it has a kind of an an evenness it's like uh, you're not sh- you're not it, well, it's to everybody it's like the, like the sun will shine on on all beings equally and the quality of karuna or compassion this is particularly towards beings who are suffering. So it's not the same as pity. Oh, those poor people! Those poor, s- you know. It's not. It's not patronizing or looking down on. And the and the way that we most can most strongly feel compassion is when we know the suffering of another ourselves, when we felt it ourselves, and then we see someone else suffering and we, we can empathise. We know how that is. It's a kind of uh, feeling with or trembling with the suffering of another. So in the, in the meditation practice, it's usually called karuna, but the Buddha also calls it anukampa, which is to tremble with the suffering of another. So that's uh, dr- directed to people who are in a situation less fortunate than we are in this moment. And then there's mudita, which is this uh, sense of of joy and appreciation, a celebration of the good fortune of others, even if we don't have that good fortune ourselves. So maybe we're in a competition with someone and someone else wins, and we're like, yay, good on you. And I think culturally that's really uh, foreign, isn't it, in America? <laughs> it's, it's a very competitive culture. You've got to be number one. So that's a that's a very lonely setup. You got how many people live in America? And there's there's only one winner, you know. So mudiche is uh, is where I always feel like it's a, it's a great thing because somebody else wins, they feel good, and then you get to feel good too about them winning or getting the prize or whatever it is. So it's like. You don't have to, you know, it's like it feels great to enjoy the good fortune of another. You can also, I also experience it with nature. You go out in nature and just look at the beauty of nature. It brings up a sense of mudita. For the beauty, for the incredible, beautiful unfolding of the buds in spring. Can't help but feel joy when I see that. And, uh, and then upekā, or, or equanimity. And upekā, or the word equanimity, doesn't really bring up a sense of love, does it? It sort of seems a bit, uh, maybe even a little bit cold, unresponsive. But upekā is, um, in some ways it's like the, the most, sometimes it's known as the highest form of love so metta it's like sending it out there for the you know, joy and benefit of all beings and karuna the the compassion for the inevitable suffering that we will experience both within ourselves and and what we observe in the world um, mudita again it's like a celebration and then upeka is when all of those come together and there's um there's kind of a a, a a larger view of the you could say the human condition or the the, the sentient condition, where you recognise, you know, that like um, all beings need to experience love. So every every baby, every child needs every an animal also needs the, the care and love of its parents or okay, or, or whoever's substituting its parents if it's not the biological parents and uh, And yet all beings die you know also and And then when you see the the inevitable suffering, so like when I went to India a number of years ago and I was in Varanasi. And there's, you see a lot of suffering, you know, it's, it's, it's like everything's just out there on the streets. You see death, you see birth, you see joy, you see sorrow, it's all kind of there. You see the sacred and the profane, it's nothing's, nothing's hidden. And uh, one of the things that really came, w- was very strong for me was, was seeing the dogs in Varanasi, these, these feral dogs running around everywhere. And uh, they had no owners and they were mangy and hungry. And, you know, the, constantly the the female dogs were getting pregnant because they were, you know, they were just running wild. So you'd find a a thin, a young, thin female dog with several puppies, you know, trying to, trying to kind of Get a bit of food that she gets and milk that she could feed her young, and, and it's like heartbreaking just to watch this. And then you can see, like God, it, it's there's no end to this. You know, it's just there's no protection, there's no end. It's just a, this very painful uh, kind of being trapped in a way in in the in samsara, in the wheel of birth and death. And you know the first thing that comes off is a sense of compassion. And with it, a real wish to, you know, make a difference, but I'm just there for two weeks, I'm a nun, I don't have money, you know. And then, and then there, there was, all the heart could do, you could either close down, or it could, it could open. And so, and in that opening, there's just this sense of upeka of like, okay, this is the big picture, you know, it, it, it's painful. It's, it's kind of impossible in some ways, you know, there's this constant process of birth, aging and death going on, and, and then there's a, it's, it's almost like when you realize that you just, you know, you, you can't control life, you can't make it right, then upeka becomes the response, and I think it's important to, uh, to not go there too quickly i know that uh, joanna macy said that most western people go to upeka too quickly they don't actually first of all engage in the res- compassionate response so we don't want to go there too quickly but if we if we don't count upeka as part of the the uh, qualities of the heart part of the part of the picture then we're we're still very much caught in trying to sort everything out, trying to make things right. And we can make some things right. We can sort some things out. But uh, as we were saying earlier, you know, everything that is born will die. Everything that comes together is formed. Everything will fall apart, because that is the, the Dhamma, that is the nature of things. So on that level, we can't make it right. We can only let go, and allow the the process but in the, in the you know in the midst of this process of uh, we we've all been born at one point we're going to die so in this space in between here that we're in it's an opportunity to do good to benefit beings and sometimes to do good is you know simply to, to not do harm Sometimes that's as much as we can do. And doing that is already huge. And that should be respected. So to refrain from doing harm, it's a great blessing. Sometimes our minds are are driven towards harmful intentions. And then to refrain from doing harm, to be a source of safety in the world. And to actively do good. Find ways that we can benefit others. Small ways or big ways. And uh, through our meditation practice and through sitting with the many challenges that arise in the body and mind. To purify the mind. So purify the mind means allowing things to burn up not feeding the unwholesome, not, not buying into the stories, the I am stories, and allowing them to, you know, they arise, they're there, they're convincing for a while and then they they subside. And then they come up again, oh there they are again and they maybe take us over for a while and then they subside. So in, in, when we purify the mind, We're keeping an anchor of mindfulness, awareness. In the, whether the sea is calm or there's a wild storm raging. We keep that anchor of mindfulness. And we want to leave just enough rope, not too much, not not to keep the rope too tight. So we keep it too tight, then we can submerge the whole ship be too much, so we want to have enough rope on that anchor that the ship of our mind can move around a little bit, and that, but it's not going to get completely lost, it's not going to get swept away, and uh, the anchor of mindfulness holds us steady in the midst of the many uh, turmoils or boredoms of life. And I recently heard a, a beautiful analogy of the the four Brahmaviharas from Venerable Annalio who we were on retreat with just a couple of weeks ago. He said the metta is like the the midday sun. He actually said the midday sun on a winter's day. So I think that works well in hot climates. Maybe in cloudy climates, it could just be in the summer. The midday sun, and it shines on all equally. It's bright, it's warm, brings joy, and it shines on all equally. And the uh, karuna, or compassion, is like the setting sun. Its uh, Its light still shines, but it's close to darkness. It's touched by darkness. And as And its movement is to go down into the depths, so into the depths of sorrow or the depths of suffering. And yet to not lose its beauty and its light. And uh, mudita is like the morning sun that rises on a dark morning, dark, uh, or, or changes from a dark night and uh, the morning sun rises and catches a droplet of dew on the edge of a leaf and makes it shine like a diamond. So that's like mudita that can take the very ordinary, you know, drop of water on a leaf. It's growing, and, but turns it into something really beautiful. Adds a little sparkle to what's going on. So mudita is like that. It's the opposite to, to jealousy or envy. It's like a celebration, it enhances. And Upaika is like the full moon, or the equanimity is like the full moon, which does not have its own light, but it, it reflects the light of the sun. And its soft light shines. And shows the way in what would otherwise be a dark night so i'm paraphrasing a little bit as we can just see those those qualities within our own heart and i'm just going to um just kind of freeform a a different perspective too so the you know, when we when we don't have metta but our minds are overwhelmed with lust, not not love and kindness, but lust and desire. Then there's it's like the it's like the the midday sun in a desert, you know, we're burning everything up, scorching, parching, it's kind of destructive. And you know, with, with Karuna, if there's no compassion, we just sink down into the darkness. We're lost, along with the suffering of others. We have no, we're no longer a light in the darkness, but we're just part of it. Maybe cynicism. Cynicism is like that. Cruelty. It's like that. And uh, mudita. I could say envy and jealousy are like dark clouds covering the sun. So we don't get to enjoy the beautiful morning. We're just there in the clouds of resentment. It's a small, small small-hearted response. And I don't have a visual image, actually, for the opposite of equanimity. But, uh, you know, when we have no equanimity, it's like we're angry with the world. We're angry with aging. We're angry with death. We're angry with the limitations of human beings. Of which, as we see, there are many. So we're at odds with the way things are. So, for the rest of this meditation time of about 20 minutes, I'd just like to um, guide a, me- a meditation on compassion. to invite you to come fully into contact with your body sitting here, feeling the weight of your body on the seat. Feeling the space above and around you. (coughs) Being aware of all the other people here in the room. Probably not a single person here Who hasn't experienced loss, sorrow? I'd like to invite you to bring to mind, bring to heart somebody be a person or it could be a, a situation like a, a, a bigger situation it could be environmental It could be a human can't quite d- divide those two really it could be an individual it could be somebody that you know or that you've read about or heard about but somebody something that really touches your heart where that person or that creature or that situation is experiencing suffering. Allow yourself to be touched by that. Allow your heart, even if it might want to contract and, and move away from it, allow your heart to open. We so easily Hide away in the intellect, keep away from our vulnerable hearts, so we want to come down into the heart space and allow ourselves to feel the suffering of another. recognizing how every living being seeks safety, seeks a sense of belonging. our heart to open to the suffering of another. And you can let that person, that creature, that situation know that they're not alone in this moment. wish them may you have safety I'd like to invite you to move on to another situation where someone has maybe success or somebody has something that you would like to have yourself youth, beauty, success wealth whatever it might be, I- enlightenment and just bring somebody, somebody real don't make it too abstract. Something that you wish you had, that you feel maybe a, s- a little bit of lack around. It can be something like confidence And then bring that person to mind in their brightness, in their strength. And just invite the heart to rejoice. See if it contracts, grumbles. And just invite the heart to open. And share in the joy. It's really easy with little kids. Little kid with an ice cream at the beach. because we're in America you can say may you have a great day And now I'd like to invite you to take a different perspective. So this is a zooming out, not a dissociating zooming out, but a zooming out in terms of time and space. So if we look, even uh, over the course of a an hour, maybe you had that little kid with an ice cream that I had, that ice cream melts, and then it's eaten, and then it's like, oh, I want another ice cream, or maybe stomachache, or boredom, or something, you know, so that's that's how it goes, so the joy is there for a while, and then it passes, And the little kid grows up all being well, has many experiences in life difficulties and challenges, grows strong and gets you know, many experiences in, in their life. And some of it's good, some of it's not so good. So that's how it is. I think every mother, or grandmother, probably father, here, will have to have been through that. You, know, you watch you have your little little baby born, and then you watch them grow and you have hopes. and they turn out how they turn out. And we can influence it a little bit. We can give good guidance. It can be an example. But we don't have control over who comes in. And uh, how they live their life is how they live their life. So one needs a certain upeka, equanimity, that can allow the unfolding. So that's true for one person's lifetime And it's true for this whole process, this planet Earth, which came into being, goodness knows how many billions of years ago, and that is going through its process, that has uh, given forth amazing abundance, and which we have got a little crazed by. So I live in what was once gold mining country. People got crazy over gold and destroyed water sources and landscapes. That's what happens, We, we kind of, we get greedy. And now, greedy for oil, destroying huge amounts of land and forest in order to get kind of very poor quality oil. So there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world at this time out of greed. And then the earth, you know, she's... Struggles under that. And so, like I said before, we don't want to go too quickly to Upeka. We don't want to just not (coughs) respond. But at the same time, we may not be able to sort it out. We can do what we can. But we may, it might be that we've followed our greed for too long. It might be that we can change direction. So we put effort in to changing direction while holding the bigger picture of like, don't know. And at some point, we will have to leave these bodies behind. And at some point, whether it's just through whatever, for whatever reason, this earth will break up just like everything that comes into being. So with upekha, we take that, that big, big view, and that kind of (coughs) cools the desperation. So there's, there are a number of questions, a number of people asked, um, not in the written questions, but in person, about the, the balance of meditation, contemplation, and activism. So I would say at this time in the world, we need to develop both. And in a way, in, 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 our, in our inner practice, we always need to develop both. Because if we don't actively put a check on the the kilesa, or the, the obscurations of our mind, the, the, the uh, poisons of our mind, then we will inevitably do harm to ourselves and others. And if we don't actively generate good, then we'll kind of stagnate, not make proper use of this lifetime. So we need, you know, activism. Activism is really, really important within our own lives and also in relation to this beautiful planet earth. But we must also hold it with within the framework of equanimity. So this equanimity is a a form of love not a form of indifference. And it's knowing that that we do what we can. We're motivated, we can be motivated by in a concern for future generations, for present species. And we can do what we can do, and not more than that. So it's kind of a paradox in a way. It's like we allow our hearts to be broken. by the the suffering in the world. And we rejoice with the beauty in the world. And we love because all beings need love, including ourselves. And we know that all that is born will die. All that comes together will break up. So this is like holding together holding the understanding the ultimate nature, that all things are empty, changing. And the relative truth that we are sentient beings, how we live and act affects others. We feel we are touched by so we hold those two together like two palms of the hand so it's an impossible paradox and yet it is the, the the path of every spiritual practitioner to walk where you are right there holding both of those realities not letting one cancel the other out please uh, you know as we have these these hours of meditation many of them are silent please make good use and cultivate the heart cultivate love in its many forms this will be of great benefit to you in your life and to those around you those you touch and influence.